The following podcast is a production of Radio Felician, the voice of Felician University of New Jersey and the home of alternative rock done right. Available via iHeartRadio. Tune in, the Radio Felician app, and at RadioFelician.com. Radio Felician University. Welcome to Building Tomorrow's Workforce, a limited-run podcast series from Felician University and higher education and Wall Street business consultant Tim Landers. Discussing the human capital skills that employers are seeking in today's students to be successful in the workforce of tomorrow. Your host is Lou Ruvalo, Executive Director for the Lenke Family Center for Innovation and Professor in the School of Business and Information Sciences at Felician University. Greetings, this is Professor Lou Ruvalo, and with me today is Deborah Wheatman, President of Careers Done Right. We met over six years ago, and let me tell you, she is the real thing. She's an experienced human capital management strategist that assists countless clients take up the next step in their career ladder. Deborah possesses both certified professional resume writer and certified professional career coach designations and is globally recognized as an expert in advanced career search techniques. Deborah has a distinctive approach to packaging your skills and accomplishments in a compelling and creative way to generate interest on behalf of decision makers at leading corporations. Her organization can help you reach your maximum potential. Deborah, it's so good to connect with you today. Thank you so much for having me. It's always so nice to speak with you. Uh, so I've been looking forward to this. <laughs> Excellent. So let's start off with a basic premise. Um, you know, I, I'll go back and cite a 2014 Gallup poll that asked a, a various audience um, how well students were prepared for the work world. The startling interest statistics that came out of it was that 96% of chief academic officers at higher ed institutions responded that they felt that they were preparing students very or somewhat effective at preparing for the work world. But 14% of Americans strongly agreed that college graduates were well-prepared and barely 10% of those in the business corporate leadership perspective strongly agreed that college students had the skills and competencies that the work world needed. What do you think when you hear some of those statistics? I always think it's interesting when you have these types of polls done, even by a company with a history like Gallup has. To be honest, working requires a lot of things. When you get to a new environment, as you know, you don't know anything. You don't even know where the bathroom is. <laughs> every, right? Every experience for a young person is a new one at that point, even those that have done internships, because each operating environment is different. The people are different. The culture is different. How they interact is different. Every single thing is different. So it does not come as a surprise that the poll says they're not, you know, quote unquote, effective. What does effective mean? That, I believe, is a largely subjective term. Effective for you in that environment is not going to be effective for someone else in, a, in an environment in which they find themselves. So because you have a situation where people, when they graduate, even when they're seasoned professionals and they're taking on new roles, there's always a learning curve always. So I find it a little bit curious that they're able to come up with these numbers that, if I'm being honest, and I'm not 
questioning Gallup's poll. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm questioning is the efficacy of the numbers. Yeah. And it, you know, it always, numbers are one thing, but you really have to look behind the scenes and who were the people that responded and and how were the questions posed. As we've been addressing in this Building Tomorrow's Workforce to Advance Human Capital, um, I was delighted to see you use the terminology human capital in your profile on your website. And when we look at the level of expense uh, for employees within any organization, the salaries and the employee development are always the largest amount. And so what we've been trying to address in this podcast series are such critical skills, or what I perceive as critical skills, around creativity, empathy, collaboration, agility. How important do you think these skills are in the marketplace, given your vantage point as a career coach and a professional resume writer? I think the what people like to call soft skills, let's just mm-hmm. say, or the better term, emotional intelligence, is critically important, especially if you think of situations like the following. Let's say you go to work for company ABC and you're promoted there and everybody values your insight, your opinions, you're viewed as a, as a thought leader internally, Okay. Then after some time, let's say you've stayed at the company seven, eight, nine years, you decide that it's time for a change and you leave and you go to Acme company instead. At Acme, you don't have that history. You don't have that level of gravitas, if you will, that you've built up over your tenure at your previous employer, right? So you're essentially starting, you're starting over in in some respects because the people don't know you and you're doing okay, but maybe you're not doing as well as you did with your first company as demonstrated by, or the feedback you're getting. Well, why is that? Maybe it has nothing to do with your expertise. Maybe it has more to do with how you've integrated into that environment. Maybe the culture there is different. Maybe how they communicate there is different. Maybe how they interact in business or outside of business is different. All of these things are critically important to success. And I often have found just in my own career, working with people and helping people as a brand expert, I help people build their brand, right? And bring that to the market. And in my experience, people hire people they like. Mm -hmm. They're going to be less concerned if they're smart with hiring the exact person that they think is the right fit for the job. I mean, Lou, how many times have you seen a job description that it's like got all of these things on there that maybe, you know, someone has out of the 10 things, maybe someone has five. True. You can't hire or should not (laughs) hire for exactly a match for a description, but rather hire for people, personalities, and things that make them a good fit for an environment. That will be a measure of success in and of itself. And you know what? They'll learn the rest of it. I've often thought that, uh, you know, some of the harder skills are easy to achieve by just going to a, a class or you know, if you need to know how to do pivot tables or charts in Excel, well, you can go to one day class and learn that. 
how do you learn empathy or how do you learn negotiation in, in difficult situations is often something more innate. And those soft skills definitely are, are a game changer because just about everybody can learn something literal like a pivot table, but the ability and the nuance of the human side of compassion and negotiation and doing it to have a successful win-win outcome is so much more difficult to teach someone. You can't, in fact, I I would say that you almost can't teach it. To your (laughs) point, learning a pivot table is just not that hard. Um, Gaining consensus internally for an idea that you came up with, if someone dislikes you, Never happening. <laughs> yeah, the, the, we talk about political climates, and uh, they exist within businesses as well as within our our every realm of life. So, Deb, how do you get these soft skills reflected and amplified when you are coaching and working on resumes with folks? When I speak with people, I try to put them in situations and figure out, okay, so if this happened, how would you handle it? And as a coach, people are honest with me about how they would address something. And oftentimes if I hear something that I think is either I question it or I would think might be problematic, I would bring it up. As you know, as everybody knows, people don't quit companies or institutions or organizations They quit other people. Mm -hmm. We know the stories. We read about them all the time. They're online. They're on LinkedIn. They're on Twitter. They're on TikTok. They're everywhere about the people with whom some of these people work. And, you know, honestly, and I'm all kidding aside, they have murder on the mind. (laughs) They really, (laughs) they just really can't stand this person or these people for their behaviors or treatment. And if somebody is acting that way, it's no wonder they want to escape, right? It's no wonder. Yeah. So, you know, from your vantage point in trying to brand an individual, whether we're talking a a recent college graduate or someone more senior in the workplace, do you have any ideas or suggestions as to how the academic community can better teach or reinforce these soft skills so that they're graduates are actually more stellar candidates for employment. In terms of soft skills, I mean, look, we know the number one book, which has been number one forever and ever and ever, right? The Habits of Highly Effective People, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Mm -hmm. That book is essentially, it's the de facto standard for communication. If people haven't read it, they should. It is an absolute game changer to ensure that your communication skills are effective in helping you help yourself. As far as people in an academic environment teaching the students or engaging students in how to think about communication differently and how to be empathetic or even sometimes sympathetic to another person's situation, Perhaps there are there are I know there are other readings about these things, but perhaps, you know, formal exercises in which they can engage the students. And it's probably in like a group setting to have them work either one on one or in a group setting to explore how they would handle things if a situation posed itself 
in an environment and they had to either make a decision or have a conversation or something. I mean, it's sort of like, you know, a lot of this time, a lot of this comes up as well. Like I'll, I'll use an example, you know, people, they go to work and if there is a death in the family, let's say, right. And people don't know how to handle that. They express their condolences, uh, apologies, you know, wishes and prayers type of thing, right? And then they expect the person to just pick up the work and just do, do what they're supposed to do instead of looking at it from an empathetic perspective. What would I want if it were me? Would they want a manager to say, listen, Deb, go home take a few days. We got this. You you need to sort of process this and, and deal with the handling of the loss. People oftentimes don't do that. I'm using that as an example because it's a crystal clear example of how empathy and why empathy is so important in the workplace. If Deb feels like they actually didn't really care about the processing or the grieving that she's going through, is she going to want to stay there? Not really. She's going to want to leave because they didn't handle the situation properly. This is something that can absolutely be learned. And people need to understand in this situation or others that might be similar, put themselves in, in someone else's shoes. I mean, after all, you never know what someone is going through and the ability to understand and look at things from a different perspective is so critically important to success. And it's critically important to retaining your employees. Absolutely. That's a reputation yeah. killer. Building Tomorrow's Workforce, a limited run podcast series from Radio Felician. Your comments really sparked two interesting thoughts in my head. Um, number one, you know, even taking your point one more step, and I know you're you're on the same page, is almost asking that employee, what do you need? Um, making an assumption, putting yourself in their shoes is great, but if you've never been in their shoes, it's a little hard to imagine. So a simple direct question of, Deb, what do you need to, you know, kind of get back on track with this? Um, because then that creates a win-win partnership. Uh, for both people to to get engaged in that, and it's interesting that you point to uh, to Covey Stephen Covey's book. Um, I did some checking while you were talking. It came out in 1989, so of course you and I were in diapers at that point. But so we didn't read it till much later in our adult lives. But there, <laughs> but there are so many. <laughs> oh, I got you that funny, huh? Uh, but there are so many. Yeah. But there are so many. You know, just almost, I don't want to call them common sense, but like common courtesies and respect for for the other human being that come out in there, like be proactive and begin with the end in mind and think win-win. I mean, if you adopt some of those habits of highly effective people, it does really create a stronger bond between the individuals, whether that's to spouses or family members or employer and employee. At the end of the day, we really all do have options. Um, some of them are more painful to get into or out of than others, but clearly coding for success for everybody involved can only lead to even greater success. And we all know the statistics, no matter how they count them, how much does it cost to rehire someone or to make a bad hire 
Um, that's just an exorbitant additional expense to a business and totally so ineffective and nonproductive. Absolutely. I mean, you know, it's, it's really just interesting. I mean, especially in light of the fact that we are so, as a society, we are so keyed into all of the social media. And I don't know about you, but I have found, and it's so all over the place, you can't not see it just how poorly people behave (laughs) in a lot of situations. It's really, it's quite shocking versus being respectful of others and understanding of someone else. um, I just have found that we've come to a place and all you have to do is, is look on the news on your phone to see the kind of, you know, head shaking things that go on. Um, It would, we would be, far better off and far better served by sometimes keeping our thoughts to ourselves, but more importantly, being much kinder to each other. And that extends especially to uh, the working environment for sure. Absolutely. I mean, you know, one of the principles in uh, Covey's book of uh, think towards the ends and what's a win-win by saying, you know, do we really need to divulge our innermost thoughts about any given topic if that's not going to be a successful conversation with the other people as part of that, you know, the 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 abilities to articulate those statements really detracts from the end having the end in mind and really being a win-win. It's really just an exercise of I'm going to tell you what I want to tell you and you're going to listen. It creates adversarial perspectives and doesn't allow, you know, it's it's interesting. There's a big article that just came out. I didn't get the full citation yet, but so many of the companies are pushing for their employees to come back to work. These types of concepts of interacting with folks and interacting in a live presence, I think back to the old water cooler type perspective, but that built camaraderie because you had places to interact with people on an ad hoc basis. It wasn't the formality of a Zoom meeting that you click into at a specific time, which really doesn't allow for much collaboration. And human beings are social creatures. We need to interact. Uh, You know, hopefully that's what the messaging is around let's get back to work as opposed to we don't trust what you're doing at home, so we want to observe you in the office type of mindset. But, you know, be a team. It's hard to be a team when there's physical distance. Yes, it is. And I would also say, and and this is something that I share with my clients, and of course I share it with my kids, and that is what do you hope to gain from what you're saying? What is the end result? What do you think you're going to get by saying X, right? What are you What are you looking for? What are you looking to get out of it? Mm-hmm. And if you put some thought into that and think before you speak, most people I think would find that they would actually keep their mouth shut. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's true. You know, uh, I had an old Italian grandmother that when you said something stupid, you got a slap on the back of the head. I think I still have the fingerprints from it. Um, (laughs) But that immediacy of delivering a message that says, you know, this was inappropriate um, without the touchy feeliness of, oh, I'm an adult and I've just scolded a child. um, We've kind of lost some of that. And so it it allows for these things to fester. Um, And if you don't deliver 
the message that something was wrong when it happened, the lesson kind of gets diminished also. Absolutely. You know, I like to say there's no right way to do the wrong thing. <laughs> so let me finish up with, with one question. As, as we look to the future, um, we realize that businesses are much more agile and much need to be much more nimble to react to various competition and other challenges ahead of them. What do you think is the importance of soft skills as we move forward into the future? And what would you recommend to a client as a coach into how they can demonstrate or participate in a career as opposed to a job? They're critically important because building consensus, as I mentioned earlier, the ability to get things done, negotiations internally, as you pointed out, are critical to success in any operating environment. It is going to be less, not here, let me take a step back. It's not that the hard skills aren't important. They are. You need to be able to demonstrate results through examples and the work that you've done, right? But far more important to get things over the finish line, if you will, are the soft skills. Being able to talk to people in a way that they can understand what the goal is so that together you can achieve it. These situations in which people find themselves, they're not, you can't think that unilateral decision-making is the way. That just makes people, you know, annoyed or unhappy um, or unwilling to budge on their position. And in thinking about the soft skills and how to infuse that is through situations. What would you do if? I think that causes people to think about how they not only approach an issue and address it, but also how they ingest the information they're hearing and provides them an opportunity to think about how, if given a circumstance where the situation was reversed, how they would handle it. Excellent. And and let's put in a plug for your uh, website. There are many great articles and other expanded topics uh, that you weigh in on. Um, could you tell everyone what your name of your website is? Yes, my company is careersdoneright.com, and that's careersdone, W-R-I-T-E.com, as in writing. Mm -hmm. uh, I have written a book about these things, so uh, I take people through, again, it's scenario-based, so it's not just talking about these things as an esoteric topic. It's providing people with actionable information and clear examples so they can understand and then apply it to their own uh, situations at work or otherwise. Uh, my book is called Help to Hired, and it is available on Amazon if anyone's interested in taking a look at that. Yes. And um, I actually look, read the abstract on the book, and it sounds very, it provides some really excellent practical information on how to reinforce your yourself. I like to look at as an individual and say, you're actually CEO of Me Incorporated, um, and therefore you need a brand and you need to have a create a distinctive persona for yourself in the marketplace. Building tomorrow's workforce. So Deborah, I would just, it's wonderful that I have connected with you on this very important topic. It's great to hear that Soft skills, as much as they've been poo-hooed for years, are equally as valuable as a lot of those hard skills that are being taught. 
and it actually creates a career trajectory as opposed to just an ability to work in a position. So any closing thoughts that you want to share? Yeah, I think that if people take an opportunity to really reflect on how they want to be perceived and establish a situation in their own mind for how they would want to be treated, we would be far better off. <laughs> I agree with you. That's why we, uh, we work so well together. Thanks very much for, uh, for participating today and have a wonderful rest of the day. Thank you for having me. Same to you. This podcast has been a production of Radio Felician, the voice of the Franciscan University of New Jersey. Visit us anytime at radiofelician.com. Want to send an email? Reach out at radiostation at felician.edu. Radio Felician, the Falcons.